Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Hello and welcome to the China Shop. I'm Shopkeeper Dan and with me as always is Kyle, creator of FinancialIneptitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing good. I'm excited finally got back into the bet yes exciting exciting bet results it's i i never like the shortened four-day trade weeks no bet notwithstanding i like to to be excited for a monday i don't like to be twiddling my thumbs oh monday was the worst i was at work i mean i hopefully nobody at my work listens to the show <laughs> <laughs> man that was a boring day <laughs> right what am i gonna do come on into the shop with us today folks sit back relax and hedge against the market machine welcome to any new listeners just joining us we're we're just a group of casual retail traders smashing our way through a china shop sharing our strategies talking about what works what doesn't work having fun with it oh it's exciting about it is we've actually been having some success with it too i mean we picked a few rocket ships oh yeah oh yeah it's it's so much fun to be able to say this one's about the blast and then when it does oh it's it's more fun than a slot machine going off in a casino. It's nothing sure. more fun than being right. <laughs> Come on in. We got a flurried, tingling, glamorous show for you today. We have lots of market moving news, plenty of stocks on the radar, and more options than a kitty cat in an empty box store. Mm. Too, too wholesome? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. All right. All right. All right. All right. More options than a sex toy at an orgy. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> wow, okay, okay. It's 0 for 2. 0 for, oh, More okay. options than a donkey uh, in Tijuana? <laughs> 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 this episode is going to be explicit. <laughs> how, how is that less gross than a sex toy at an orgy? <laughs> uh, it's not. <laughs> It's not. Yeah. Oh, all right. Reach out to us, folks. We absolutely adore it when we get your messages and your comments on Twitter, Facebook, Discord, TikTok. Maybe you're old school. Just send us an email at twobulls at com, Or you can also give us a phone call, 725-22-BULLS. Maybe you've got a hot stock tip. Maybe you want to tell us about a great trade you just made. Maybe you want to tell us about the time you were a sex toy at an orgy. It doesn't matter. We love it when you reach out. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Kyle, you know what that leads us to is uh, our bet. I think, actually, this time, too, you get to go first. Wait, what? Me? Why would I get to go first? I know. It's weird. This is so odd. I, I, don't, I don't even know how to do this anymore. Uh, okay, so I picked MU, as we no. all know. No, uh, no, no, very no, no, clearly. no, no. No, very no, no, clearly no, no. picked MU. Well, I picked him with my dollars, so there. You did. Uh, I did. I picked uh, Space. I picked Virgin Galactic just to fuck with Kyle, uh, and it was really fun, <laughs> and I'm glad I did. But oh, it was hilarious. It definitely, 
it definitely hurt my bet <laughs> chances because uh, they opened the week at 53.11. They closed the week at 51.13, which brought my total from $577.73 down to $556.19. If I'd made that MU bet, I would have gone up to 587 But yeah, Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Uh, coulda, woulda, shoulda. There was a moment there when I thought I, I was a contender because people started a buzz. I think you were, you were, you were the one who pointed out. People started buzzing about, oh, they're going to reschedule the test flight. There was actually a, uh, there was a report that was being circulated by some flight tracker group. I think they'd seen some filings that looked like it might be getting rescheduled for this weekend. And uh, then a spokesperson came out and very quickly put the kibosh on that and said that's not true. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, we saw that stock jump a good 10%. So, I mean, people are chomping at the bit to buy into this thing. Uh, that flight is going to happen, so get it while you can. Yeah, it's still at a discount. Ready to soar. Okay, so, yeah, I went down. I lost some money, but I'm still up 11% for the month, so I'm not doing too bad. You just lost the week. Mm-hmm. I had QS. Uh, what's the actual name for that group? QuantumScape. QuantumScape, thank you. They opened the week at 5369. Uh, Tuesday was also the date they released their earnings, so pretty much immediately dropped off after that. Uh, if I had done any more research into this company, I probably would have noticed that they don't actually make any products yet and figured that they were not going to report good <laughs> earnings. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if I would have thought harder about this, I probably would have specified that I'm not buying it until Tuesday at close. I did not. I uh, got stuck at 5369. However, they did uh, report a breakthrough in their battery processing. Yes, they did. And that caused the stock to really take off. So I ended up closing the week at 6225 after peaking at over 70. Whew. So my 438 and 72 cents is now worth 508 and 67 cents. So I'm back to positive. I'm back in the game and within striking distance. Yeah, all I got to do is pick a bungler and I'm done. <laughs> it's, it could be close. Uh, I still have to gamble. I mean, still got to make 10% this week. So that's still not an easy task, especially with things starting to... seems like the market's been getting a lot more flat lately. I got some ideas. All right. All right. How'd our, how'd our random do? All right. So AMCX uh, opened up at 49.75 and closed at 50.25. So it went from $532.58 to 537.93. So that's my real goal. I just want to beat that goddamn random stock. If I get to beat you too, well, <laughs> yeah, that's even better. We'll see. At least get this ringtone off we'll my see. phone. <laughs> yes. Yes. That'll be that'll be nice. I I have I have thought of a new consequence if I win, and it's delicious. Mm, nice. <laughs> uh. Anyway, stay tuned to the end of the episode, folks. We're gonna be making another bet, and I I promise my bet pick won't be just out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after seeing what Mu did this week, it's like, oh man, really, really could be crushing it in the bet. Could have been. Anyhow. Could have been. All right. Is that, uh, are we ready to get some news going? Ah, uh, boy, howdy. Boy, howdy. <laughs> well, it's all for the money. Tune to the show. Need a good story so my margin grows. I want you listen to all our news. You might learn some things with the China Shop Market News. All right. So... Kyle, I've, I, I, the only news I prepared to talk about 
was the ongoing GameStop saga. So, so why don't we sandwich what I have with uh, the, some of the stuff you got? Why don't you lead us off? All right. The, uh, let me make sure I get this article pulled up. Uh, the thing that stuck out most to me was uh, Thomas Peter Five. Peter Fee? I don't know how the hell you say that. It's Peter with two F's and a Y at the end of it. Uh, the founder and the chairman of Interactive Brokers Group uh, was on CNBC. I don't know if he was scheduled to talk on the hearings or what, but he, he went on there and was basically saying how close to uh, a collapse of the entire system this whole GameStop saga actually took them. I mean, that just, to me, points more towards the shenanigans uh, with restricting buys on GameStop is just more to protect, you know, the bigger players than anything else. Because, I mean, he's talking about brokerages going bankrupt, and when brokerages go bankrupt, and the market makers have to insure that, and they go bankrupt, and then it goes to the banks that insure the market makers that would go bankrupt uh, to basically the government bailing them out. But he was talking about that stock, you know, prepared to take off and go into the thousands. Wow. The people that were buying at, you know, 300 plus, they read it correctly. They were they were right. Yeah. I think this is what I was trying to tell, you know, the people have been asking me, you know, what are you holding or not? And I said, yes, I'm holding, but I'm not betting anything, you know, that is important. I'm, I'm just using profits that I've already made on the year. And the reason why I was sticking with that is because, yeah, this is the scenario that we're in. This is what's going to happen unless the billionaires cheat. I'm not willing to bet a lot of money that the billionaires are not going to cheat to keep their billions. Right. <laughs> I don't think that's a good bet, historically. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. And, and honestly, if we take him at his word and he says, look, this short spike that was going to destroy these hedge funds that had bet so hard against it was going to be a domino effect and take down the system. That's a real problem. I'm not a fan of too big to fail. Mm-hmm. I honestly think it's not it's not a healthy scenario for any country's economy to have one or two businesses that oh if these guys go down we're all screwed. Right. That's not okay in my book, in my personal opinion. Here's where the the good news comes out of this. I mean, it looks like there's really like we really may have done something that's going to actually affect real change changes to transparency with shorting like uh, the actual reporting on the short interest is going to looks like it's getting looked at and possibly going to change i mean there's things that that should come out of this whole thing and that's one of the bigger reasons why i was i involved myself with my money knowing that i was probably going to lose most of it but you know at least i did my part to help it affect that change i think I'll tell you what I'd like to see from all of the hearings is I'd like to see a complete end to naked shorts. I don't think they should be allowed. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, It needs to be a one for one. If you cannot find a share to borrow to short, then you don't get to short. Yeah, just like if I'm trying to buy shares and no one wants to sell, I don't get to buy. Right. If I'm trying to sell shares and no one wants to buy, that's actually something we learned with options early on. I should say I learned uh, from you. Yeah, we did. Yeah. If if I if I'm buying calls on a on a stock and there's not a lot of open interest or volume, I'm stuck with those calls because there's literally no one willing to buy them from me. Right. At least not for any decent price. <laughs> you see those not, big spreads right. over two bucks. Right. I, you, you sell them at a substantial loss just because there are no buyers. So I really feel like like that's a big, big thing to, to close up. I'll be really excited if if that does happen. It'll add to stability in the markets for sure. Uh, there was some fun with some of these hearings, too. Uh, that 
I think you were telling me about uh, earlier this morning before we started talking uh, about uh, Keith Gill, his opening statements, and then uh, yes. his statements on basically boiling down to I like the stock, <laughs> which was kind of the rallying cry yeah. around Reddit during the whole time. <laughs> hey, I like the stock. <laughs> this is what you get when you pull a Redditor into a congressional hearing. Uh, I believe one of his opening statements was, I am not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Referencing that beautiful lawyer video. Yeah, I'm not a cat. <laughs> Which is what a cat would say. So he kind of got put in this in the target a little bit for for a pump and dump. People were industry folks were saying, "Oh yeah, he was just pumping and dumping," uh, and that's that's why they they wanted him to testify. Uh, I did read a thing by Trump's former SEC head. Uh, we got Biden's head in there now already, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, and he said, "Like, look, this isn't a pump and dump." Uh, it has, but you know, a, a pump and dump being uh, an investor who who has a position puts out some false information to artificially inflate the price. The key word is that false yeah. information puts out false information, pumps the stock up, and then sells it on the artificial high. That requires a group of people to get excited about the stock, and what we had here was a group of people getting excited about a stock. So. Based on it being severely undervalued based on fundamental analysis. It's got similarities, but it's not a pump and dump. There's no single person putting out false information to pump it. This was a community that was pumping it with publicly available information, something Keith Gill was was clear to point out. Like, nothing I said on Reddit wasn't publicly available. Like, everybody right. could go look and verify what I was saying. There's no false information involved. So I think he's going to be okay. The, f- the fun for me, <laughs> where, I got, where I cooked my popcorn and, and sat down and said, yeah, I want to watch me some Elizabeth Warren going after the Citadel CEO. <laughs> he was quite evasive. Yeah, he really, really was. She's digging into the payment for order flow stuff. Like, like, is this all legit on the up and up? Where you, because you profit so much from Robin Hood, were you involved in in Robin Hood's decisions? Well, I think with what with that interactive brokers was guy was saying, I mean, it sounds like they would be stupid not to be making decisions, and they can do things using the tools they have at hand with increasing the margin requirements and causing these brokers that are basically holding these things for their margin clients to have to post a ridiculous amount of capital in a short period of time. Uh, they right the optics of it to me looks like they manipulated the system using the rules that are in place in order to save their ass. And I, yeah, I don't see yeah. how you can't. I don't see how you don't see that or don't come away with that conclusion. And my conclusion was Citadel never has to pick up the phone to the clearinghouse to say that. Mm-hmm. Like there doesn't, they're, they're, they don't need any communication for everybody on that end of the game to be making the moves to save their own asses. What really should have happened at this point is that's when the SEC should have gone in and suspended trading. Once this whole, once Robin Hood's actions became public, the SEC should have immediately stepped in and said, no, there's going to be no trading on this stock until we get this sorted out. Oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the SEC is also trying to protect the government, which is insuring all the banks that are insuring the clearinghouses, which are <laughs> insuring the, the brokerages. So, yeah, that probably wasn't going to happen. The SEC did, though, that does kind of segue into, yep. I don't know if you saw this news, but the SEC did suspense uh, trading on three different stocks based on uh, uh, volatility. Uh, and I think it's stocks that are meme stocks on Reddit. 
Really? Yes, that happened on Friday. Whoa, I didn't. I didn't hear about that. Which which stocks did they suspend? Uh, Marathon Group Corp, Affinity Beverage Group Inc, and Silos Corp, starting on Friday and ending March fourth. Whoa, they froze them for a couple weeks. Yeah. Wow. I'll be really interested to see how that plays out. Well, now that Reddit's uh, gained such popularity, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if some unscrupulous type people are now taking advantage of it and trying to pump stocks up with... Use it for the pump right. and dump. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a big problem. I know the Reddit CEO at one point was called to, to talk to the, the hearing people, and he defended the anonymity of the traders in Wall Street bets, saying this community, people are sharing their financial data. Mm-hmm. And it's very personal and private, and they're only able to do that because Reddit allows them to be anonymous. So, so I I agree with him. Like we, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm a Reddit user. I I like the way it's set up, but at the same time, like you just mentioned, it opens the door for any unscrupulous actor, any group. Of, you know, you could have ten people in an office building. In, halfway around the world mm-hmm. coor- coordinating posts on reddit you know right. uh, it opens that door so so it's really it, it it gets to be tricky like you you don't know who's who's pumping what with false information you know it's why it's really important to have your own set of things to do research to try and find news articles to look at the stock data itself i know meritrade's really good they've got a ton of of data where you can look see see with your own eyes yeah. uh you know verify information before you take <laughs> trust but verify that's the, the old navy term we used trust but verify there you go there you go i feel like if people did that on social media in general we'd have a better society oh god yeah people well you think that <laughs> if, they, if people were doing that snopes would be probably the top fucking internet company in the, in right, the world right <laughs> <laughs> I, the the last thing I wanted to say was the the CEO of Citadel. Oh oh yeah yeah. In that interview, we'll put a link to that interview also on CNBC. Citadel CEO Ken Griffin was asked whether the markets are fair fair to retail investors, and the 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 analogy he made was like, "Look, I can play golf with Tiger Woods. Doesn't mean I've got a shot at beating him." Yeah, he basically said that like I'm not going to play him on his game. I need to I need to play what I play to my strengths, not his. I think is what he was basically trying to say. Doesn't answer the question at all. No, not at all. And then he went on to say that basically, basically what I got out of that is he's saying that you know the retail investors' edge is that they understand what normal people like better than us rich fucks. They're able to predict trends because they live in the real world. We don't. that's how i read that i don't know about anybody else but that's our edge people our edge is that we're grounded and we live in the real world yeah they they can't see that ev is the future that i'm not sure how but i'm also not uber rich so right right oh my goodness oh my goodness that's fantastic i got one other one that i wanted to to toss in there Uh, this is our elon musk they like to have the fun stories about elon on here oh always yeah is uh tesla recently purchased what 1.5 was it million or billion in bitcoin uh i thought it was a billion i think you're right yeah i'd be wrong elon musk also changed his bio on twitter to just say nothing but bitcoin that was it just says bitcoin well he came out in an interview yesterday 
uh, Friday for those of you listening at a different date, talking about Bitcoin in general and cryptocurrencies. And uh, his basic statement was that uh, when fiat currency has negative real uh, interest, only a fool wouldn't look elsewhere. And they said Bitcoin is almost as BS as fiat money. The keyword is almost. He went on to say that he's not an investor, he's an engineer, and that he doesn't hold any other stocks or positions or investments other than Tesla. So hmm. that's kind of weird because I think they're asking him why they weren't investing in Dogecoin after he was touting that on Twitter. And apparently, he doesn't own Dogecoin or Bitcoin. And apparently, he's not a fan of cryptocurrencies or money, which is kind of weird. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, I guess he really is an in- engineer type, right? I, I, like, I don't want to be bothered with that money stuff. He's eccentric. He's getting more and more eccentric the more I see him talk or do stuff. Oh, is he the next Howard Hughes? Like coming out and saying <laughs> that like Tesla is overvalued. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you take your own stock? My stock's worth too much. <laughs> <laughs> fun we love you elon yeah thanks for listening oh we do you make good uh good radio bits <laughs> <laughs> it's like having george bush as a president for a comedian strategery <laughs> all right let's move on let's talk about some stocks uh before we move on to that uh let's let's go over the results of our twitter poll ah that's right yes almost forgot last week we asked uh the world on twitter which cryptocurrency they thought had the best long-term potential. And this wasn't even close, and it was quite surprising, but the majority of people picked Dogecoin, (laughs) 64.2%. I thought for sure Ethereum was going to be the leader at that, but that actually ended up being third at just under 15%, Bitcoin at 18%. Other at three, and I think that was you with your uh, Chia bet, our pick. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, Twitter is bullish on Dogecoin. That sounds a bit dodgy to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what's, a, what's, our next, what's our next Twitter poll going to be, Kyle? Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about Virgin Galactic and, and space tourism and all that. Um, I kind of feel like I'd like to ask the world what their thoughts on as far as who the, who's best positioned to take advantage of the space industry as far as publicly traded companies. So that rules out like SpaceX. Like Virgin Galactic, Boeing, um, I think there's a couple other ones. Blue Origin. Sorry, which one? Blue Origin. Blue Origin, yes. Yeah, so which one of these uh, these companies do people think are, are have the best long-term potential or is the best investment? Yeah, who's, who's going to become the, the space company that all other space companies get compared to? Or which one is going to make you the most money? Oh, there you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what we ultimately care about. Here's the choices. We've got Boeing, Lockheed Martin, or Virgin Galactic, or other. And we'll let people comment in for other. So if there's one that's not on the list, please reply in the comments which one that you, your pick is. There you go. All right. Well, first up, I'd like to talk about how Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by Sue Pullen at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender. Sue Pullen is a certified mortgage advisor who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She does a fantastic job. She's got over 20 years experience and has helped thousands of homeowners, whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage. She's there. She's there for you. She can help. Licensed in 25 states and growing. So give her, reach out. See what Sue can do for you. Best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904. Or you can shoot her an email, spullen, S-P-U-L-L-E-N, at fairwaymc.com. Again, that phone number is 520-977-7904. 
Fairway Independent Mortgage, MLS number 2289. Sue Pullen, MLS number 206048. That email again is spullen at fairwaymc.com and that phone number 520-977-7904. Please, 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 if you uh, need a loan, give her a call so that way she can make up anything that she lost following my bet picks. <laughs> 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 right, right. Got to make that up for yeah. her. <laughs> oh, and 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 where would we be if uh, we didn't have Passive to talk about? Passive.com. They are a portfolio balancing machine. You set it up, you turn it on, and it automatically sends you, hey, we want to balance your long-term portfolio, so we're going to sell this and buy this. And you click yes, yes, and boom, it just takes care of it. Really, really easy to use software over there at Passive.com. It just sent me an email saying that my uh, one of my stocks is uh, is 80% out of balance and wants me to do something about that. Ooh, so, there you go. So it works. It works, folks. Check it out. Give it a shot. Tell them two bulls sent you. Or not. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because we're doing this we for free. We just lost a bet. <laughs> We just lost a bet. We're not gamblers. I don't have a problem, Kyle. I don't have a problem. I'll bet you 10 bucks I don't have a gambling problem. Oh, I'll take that bet. <laughs> I don't know how, but I'll get you. All right. I'll get you. I'll get you. All right. Are we ready to move on to some stuff? Yes, please. Just put those stock tickers on the list. Go through the charts so nothing gets missed. Today's trades, they could all turn to gold. I'm playing stocks till I'm out of the hole. Well, I made a million moves this week. No, I didn't. I didn't make very many stock moves. I made uh, uh, what I considered to be what ended up being a good move. I moved out of my NASDAQ uh, triple leverage fund, the TQQQ, that mm -hmm. made me so much money on the bet. Um, and I moved into MU on Tuesday. Your accidental bet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't accidentally buy it in my long-term portfolio, though. <laughs> I, did, I did move it because I was tied up in options, and, and I thought, I, I really do feel strongly about MU. Uh, it's hitting new highs. It crossed the, had a MACD cross. It's in a se the semiconductor industry, which has been really hot. And semiconductors, they can't, they're, they're sold out. Literally, it's like going to the store and the, and the shelf is empty. Like, they right. just cannot ship enough of these things. Uh, so I thought, you know what? I am, I'm moving. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, uh, even though, you know, I picked space. But I mentioned to the shop, like, my real bet is MU. And uh, I was really happy that it's done so well this week. Mm -hmm. So well. Uh, it's, it's up a few percentage points, but when I compare it to what the NASDAQ did for the week, I made the right move. Other than that, I, I ended up, uh, I had mentioned I was playing, looking at the MACD cross as a signal well, combined with a 52-week high. Uh, so I moved into TXG, RFP, and BW. None of those ended up working out for me. RFP worked, it, it was up uh, 8 or 9% at its peak, and I was like, wow! Mm -hmm. uh, but now it's, it, it, it ended the week down. Uh, so I actually moved out on Friday, took a, took a small, uh, I think three, 3% 3 loss on those. And that's about all I did, uh, with stocks. Like I said, I moved out of BW, RFP and TXG on Friday. Uh, and, uh, and I'm just left with my long-term positions in MJ and ARCQ and, uh, the, the money I moved over in MU. We'll see see how long 
I hold that if, if MU keeps going up through the week. I, I had uh, kind of so I didn't do a whole lot in stocks either. The main move was exercising uh, the last of my space contracts on Friday. Cover that I bought those early uh, in the week after God, what day was that? I think it was on Wednesday. Thinking that you know, if, oh, when it was dropping. Yeah, I was speculating that they're going to be announcing something new with the the news on rescheduling that test flight, and they didn't. Uh, we'll cover that. I had one uh, or twenty five percent of them left uh, on Friday, so I just went ahead and exercised them. I didn't have any more cash in my account, so I had to use margin, which kind of sucks. But basically, what it comes down to is I need to make some more money, so that way I can increase my bankroll on this. <laughs> uh, I got a bunch of stuff still that I don't want to sell, but uh, and I'm really kicking myself too because the other move that I was really feeling strongly about was Saber. We talked about last week reporting their earnings. Yeah, earnings were shit. Yeah. Just like we thought they would be. And just like we thought after initially dropping, it was going to take off again. And it did. I mean, it was trading at over $15 a share and then after dropping below 12. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, that really, I mean, that was the one that I was really expecting to do that. And it did. And uh, it just kind of hurts to not have any skin in that game. Mm. Um, the other one we talked about, which was kind of surprising, was Trip. We Remember, we had some discussion over whether or not they were going to report decent earnings. Uh, their earnings were shitty. Yeah. But the stock didn't really seem to care. It kind of just traded right where it was. <laughs> so. <laughs> didn't move. <laughs> That's why I don't hold through earnings. You, you, it's, it's. Well, I'm starting to think that like the better play is not trying to speculate on having good earnings. The better play is speculating on companies that report good earnings but still drop. And went through that this morning uh, before we did this call and picked out three candidates that I have for seeing that that rise after reporting good earnings after falling because probably expectation wise okay the number one candidate for me is oled uh they had some great numbers the stock still fell uh, and it fell pretty good too i mean a good 10 percent or so i think what i'm probably going to be looking at is purchasing some an option spread on monday trying to target like the 230 range somewhere around there i think it's trading around 220 right now there's two other ones that aren't as prime for the pickings, but uh, they had reasons why they dropped or things that scare me off, such as low volume. EBS was one of them. It was downgraded to neutral on Friday, dropped down to around 102, I think. Part of that downgrade, though, they still kept a price target at 112. So, you know, it fell from 120 down to 102, but still has a price target above where it's at. So, I mean, there's still potential there for that to climb over the next month. IDCC yeah. is the third one, but the volume on that is so much lower that I don't think I'm probably going to mess with it, but I'm going to keep an eye on it just to see if my theory pans out sounds good to me OLED is probably the big one though that's the one i'm gonna put my money in and see how it does do we have any uh earnings coming up next week there is actually a bunch of them and a bunch of them in the stocks that we talked about the first one that caught my mind our interest is on 222 that was royal caribbean uh next star nxst on the 23rd that stock is a like telecommunications i think they own like tv networks and for that to be trading as high as it is is surprising to me especially with how big streaming services are so i'm watching that one thinking that it's probably going to fall after they actually report those earnings uh on the 24th we've got jmia one of our favorites Mm-hmm. That stock has kind of dropped off this last week. I think it was around 56 at close the week at. Uh, I'm not sure what to expect. Uh, I don't think they've actually been reporting decent earnings yet. I think everything that people are just speculating on them based on their market share and being basically the only game in Africa. Yeah. So I don't 
think I want to do any speculation around this earnings call with them. OMI, the next one on the 24th, threw that one in there because it's one of our first pickums. So might as well track it and see how it does. And then yeah. the 25th is a big one. We've got Salesforce, AMC, Maine, Budweiser, Farfetch, Virgin Galactic. And the last one, I'm not sure how this ended up on my watch list, KTOS. It's some kind of like securities firm. Showed up on one of my watch lists, or uh, one of my screeners, I'm guessing. I added it to a watch list, but for the life of me, I can't remember why. But something <laughs> caught my eye on it, so I'm going to be watching it just to see what, you know, past me was thinking. Maybe I could figure it out after the fact. <laughs> Target is also doing their earnings on the 25th, and their stock just got hammered by Walmart reporting bad earnings. They, Walmart had an earnings miss, and Target got kicked, killed because of it. So I'm watching for that one. I want to. I want to see. I'm wondering if Target reporting uh, either on Target or an or an earnings beat, but probably based on Walmart. Well, maybe the Walmart sales went to Target. Who knows? Uh-huh. Uh, I'm I'm going to watch to see what happens after Target releases their earnings because I think with the with, with the price dropping ahead of the earnings like it has, be, based on Walmart sentiment, mm-hmm. that it's got a really good chance to to rebound hard after after the earnings call. Are you still holding your target options or did you dump them already? Well, I was going to talk about it in oh. options. Well, let's just move on to options and then I'll ask the question again. Let's move on to options and I'll start with, uh, okay, hey, right. ooh, options. <laughs> <laughs> you got to know when to hold them, know when to sold them, know when to walk away. Those calls are done, you never count your money. When you're holding on the contracts, there'll be time enough for counting when the options exercise. Hey, Kyle, did you have a question for me? I did. Are you still holding your target calls? I sold two thirds of them. Profit uh, or loss? Because, oh, at a 27% loss. Ouch. So why'd you hang on to the others then? I, uh, be- because I, th- I, th- did it again you made the wrong call you're watching it fall oh not again you thought that you were so great and you couldn't wait you're not that good at this (laughs) (laughs) i okay i should have sold them all probably i should have sold them all and i regretted not selling it the idea, I, my, my thought was, well, I think Target's got a good chance of shooting back up after their earnings. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, market closed and then it hit me like, well, you can always buy back in on when the dip is finished. You don't have to right. fucking hold, hold this <laughs> through the dip, dumbass. Yeah, so I should have sold them all. I, I do have an eye on, on selling out of them Monday morning, depending on what Target does Monday morning pre-market and for the first half hour i might just move move on and and look to move back in in midweek before the earnings depending mm-hmm. like if it, if it just keeps dropping up to the earnings then yeah i'm actually going to buy a few calls because the there's that four percent edge you know the the bleed out before earnings and then all they need to do is post uh on target or, or better, uh, which is, you know, if you've got three options, either they're going to miss, they're going to hit, uh, or they're going to beat, then as long as they do two out of the three, you know, I consider that a pretty safe gamble. Uh, I'm going to move into some calls. 
if they keep moving down. The thing that seems to be hurting a lot of these, like you'll see good earnings on some of them, but they don't release any guidance. And when that happens, uh, people seem that seems to scare off people or causes them to sell off as soon as they can't. Yeah. Right. No, no confidence. It, yeah. It's not just how well was last quarter. It's what are they speculating on for next quarter? And if they refuse to speculate, eh, it typically doesn't mean anything good. It's coming. <laughs> so the other thing I did in options is I moved out of my sprouts, uh, my SFM sprouts farmers market. I had some 22 and a half dollar calls. Uh, I sold them at a 50% loss and I am fully willing to share the lesson I learned from this giant loss. Well, and that lesson is uh, uh, along lines of what George was talking about in like confidence. They were originally, they were on one of my watch lists for earnings, lead up to earnings, right? But they yeah. weren't performing how I thought they would. So, so when I was making money on the MJ calls last week, mm -hmm. I moved some of it. I wanted to move it somewhere. And because my other earnings stuff wasn't going the way I wanted it to, I thought, well, maybe I'll move it into Sprouts, the one I thought was bad. Maybe it's me. Maybe I don't know how to pick them. <laughs> and then I move in and it starts going down and it hits 20%. And that's around 20, 25%. I like to get the fuck out. But that lack of confidence continued and carried over and said, and so I, then I said to myself, well, I don't, maybe, maybe that plan's bad too. Maybe you're just not holding these long enough. Maybe you just got to give this time to turn around, right? And right. then here I was this week looking at a 50% loss. And I thought to myself, Dan, you had a plan. Like, why, why did you let this get so far? Get, get the fuck out now. Just get out. Like, stop. Stop trade. Yeah. Don't own any calls on Sprouts. Like, get out. Get out. Get out. <laughs> uh, so I did. <laughs> I did. And uh, I, I moved them into... I moved that money, what was left of it, uh, uh, and some other dollars into some MU calls. I bought on the 16th. I bought on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. I bought $100 calls. They were, they were at $1.21 a contract. And, uh, and as we know, MU moving up through the week. On the 19th, Friday, I ended up buying more at uh, $1.56 a contract, which put, put my average at about $1.40 something. And then, and then we had that discussion where... Where I said, you know, we just talked to George, and he was talking about risk management, options trading. Like when when you hit a thirty percent gain, sell a third, right, and yeah. then you set a stop loss, right. Yeah. And I was like, but I'm feeling so greedy, and it's moving up. I don't want to sell a third. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I had to try to talk you into it. Did you actually sell any or not? Because I think you said you're going to try at forty. You did talk me into it. I was gunning for forty. It almost got there, but it, it, it started to turn around. I thought, you know what? Take the 30 while it's here. So uh, I sold a third of them at $1.88. Uh, that's still not bad. Not bad at all. Average of $1.40. So uh, I, I got a little over 30% on those. And, and I've got the rest sitting there with a... I set a stop loss to sell out at a, a $1.60. They're currently at $1.75. Uh, you have to be careful with those stop losses, and uh, especially in morning trading. Yeah. Uh, that's why it's hard to do stop losses for me on options because they're just so erratic in the mornings that first hour while it's trying to find its price. You can see that trade all over the place, and you just don't know what you're going to actually get. Yeah. I, I almost like to try to keep that. I, probably, I need to do something different, though, because, I mean, I had the issue with NNDM. I ended up having those calls expire worthless. And the reason for that being you know, my problem is once I see a stock drop, you know, 50%, like to me, like, yeah, I've already written that money off of my head. I'll just let it ride it out and see if it turns around. 
It almost never does. Oh. And I need to I need to start doing something to, to save myself when that happens. I need to come up with a plan, like you said, and find my exit point. Like when do I call, when do I pull the plug on this? When is it not working? Got definitely have to have that exit plan. And I guess part of why I kept that target call was I was like, well, if you sell a third when it goes up to thirty, what if I just sell two thirds as it's going down to thirty? and let you know hold the rest right but then (laughs) afterwards i realized i was just being an idiot yeah Um, (laughs) so so that's that's about all i end up doing with with my options um i and i will be monday morning eyeing the the mu price the pre-market i usually like to sell my options in the morning because they they tend to spike it seems like you can get a higher price in the morning yeah if you're trying to get rid of them yeah so if the MU is moving up good in pre-market, then more often than not, I, I observe a big pre-market spike usually has a dip when it opens. Mm-hmm. Well, so Kyle, we know you exercised uh, one of your space contracts. Did you have any other options moves that you made? I did. Um, those space contracts, I ended up buying them at 115. I bought those on Wednesday after it was dropping, you know, sub- 49 thinking that you know if they announce this uh test flight these things are going to spike and i think it was thursday morning when the rumors came out i didn't even see the rumor i just pulled up my phone and looked and saw that those contracts are suddenly worth over three dollars a contract and I'm like fuck so i sold half of those immediately hell yeah i didn't even look to see what was going on i was like oh let me get that profit now lock in those gains the remaining half are already paid i already had a profit at that point so thanks george for that lesson uh normally you know, <laughs> before i probably would have seen how high it would have gone and the problem is once you see a price of like because it went up over four at some point once you see that four it's really hard to sell it for less than that yeah uh last right or quarter is what i exercised i sold another 25 percent at two dollars uh contract on friday i held on to the last bit because i just wanted to have a stake in it over the weekend in case something happened and i wanted more shares anyway with the way that that stock jumped just on the hint of that test flight happening makes me want to own a big bigger piece of it for when the real news actually comes out yeah uh, I did do some other moves. I already mentioned the NNDM calls expiring worthless. That kind of sucked. My Salesforce options, there's are through 319. I ended up selling off a quarter of those at 1250. I probably should have sold off 50%. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with those yet. Um, Salesforce has the potential to really take off after they report their earnings on the 25th. But man, yeah. that feels like a big gamble with the uh, the price that I had to pay to get these contracts. I mean, they were like $9. I think my average is 960 on them. And that's a 250 So it's trading just under that 250 mark right now. So okay. Got some thinking to do on that. You know me. I say sell them the, right before the earnings call. Yeah. Do you remember what I did the last earnings? $70 a share shot up. Oh, yeah. That, that's yeah. right. Salesforce did. Whoa. Okay. Well, yeah. All right. Think that if you think they could do it again, I think what I want to do is sell off the, the you know a total of seventy five percent before the earnings actually happen, and then ride the last twenty five out and see what happens as a lottery ticket. I know I should know better, but I want to make a side bet. I want to make a twenty five dollars side bet that you should sell those calls before earnings. I don't want to make that bet. Okay, okay, okay. I'm I, just throwing it out there. I I don't think I want to make that bet. <laughs> okay, well, let that inform your decision on what you do with those calls. Oh, man. But I want to hold them. <laughs> well, then hold well, them. Here's the thing, Dan. Here's the thing. If it's a 10% chance that it, it shoots up over 270, 280, 
Okay. Okay. No, I see what you're saying. Is it worth yeah. holding on for the chance of getting, you know, let's see, what would that end up being? Five to 700% return on my investment? Hey, no, I, you know I love the long shot. Yeah. I love the long shot. It's a long shot, but I'm not willing to bet risk consequences on it other than just losing a little bit of cash. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. It's it's so, true. Yeah. Our pretend bet money is precious. I, I, well, yeah. <laughs> Especially when I just got back into the damn thing, so I don't think I want to yeah. fuck with that. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, we're talking okay, about options enough. too, right? If we're just talking about the share price. That's yes. different. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, any other options trades? Or do you- yeah, the last thing I did was I put a bull call spread on Palantir. P L T R. I bought $30 April calls and sold $37 calls for a net of $1.80 per contract. So okay. I made this after seeing Kathy Wood saying that she uh, took a much bigger stake. I think she had another $5.5 in holdings with one of her ETFs. Uh, anytime you got Kathy Wood doing something, I want to try to follow it. Oh, yeah. After seeing her success lately. It's already actually rebounded. I tried to get these uh, a little bit cheaper and earlier in the day, but it kept on going up. Finally cooled off at the end of the day on Friday and was able to get that ex- or, uh, executed. But part of the the reason for the huge drop, if you recall, we were talking about the lockup period expir- expiring. Yeah. Oh, so people were selling. Yeah, this was months ago. So there was like millions more shares that just came onto the market. And anytime that happens, you're going to see a drop in price. So we called it. We thought that was what's going to happen. We just forgot to follow up and find out when that actual lockup date was <laughs> and try to make some money because we could have put some puts on it and really done well. Oh, yeah. So that's a good point. Shit. Kick ourselves well, for that one, too. Hey, that's, that's a lesson take to take forward. Yeah, these uh, we need to go back through and look at some of these other IPOs that came out that really took off, like Unity. Although I'm guessing Unity's already expired because it's already kind of fallen off. Bumble. 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 We need yeah. to find out. Bumble, they, they did their IPO and they've been shooting up like gangbusters. What about Snowflake? Did that one already? That one probably already expired too because I think Palantir might have been afterwards. We should go back and look and yeah. see what Pal- we should look at what Snow did. We should look at what Unity did when those periods expired and see if there was a when the drop started. If there was one, was it on the date of expiration or did it start following following leading up to that point too? And then yeah. yeah, we should look at Bumble. Let's write that up and and post that on the website. That sounds like a good article. Make a note of that. Okay, lockup period analysis analysis slash Bumble puts. <laughs> I just like the the phrase Bumble puts. I know, right? Uh, need to give me some Bumble puts. Back to the Palantir. So that spread on that Palantir is a max profit of six twenty a contract. I actually feel pretty confident about these ones. I think that's enough time for it. To, I mean, it's already trading at over twenty nine, so it's almost in the money already. That would be like what a four hundred percent gain. Uh, yeah, roughly. All right, some options alerts. Let's do some options alerts. All right. There's three of these that came in that were all over a million and all more than a year out or almost a year out. Oh, wow. So this makes me think this might have been the same person doing all these. Uh, That's why I kind of grouped them the way I did. So PLNT 12122 $80 calls, 1.2 million at 14.7 a contract. Microsoft 12122 $220 puts. 1.8 1.8 million at 18.35 a contract. Wow. And Netflix 12023 $500 put 2.3 million at 95.50 a contract. That's some big money really far out. That's a 2 year. 
Yeah. $500 put. Holy shit. That sounds like a hedge to me. Yeah. That, yeah, that's just too much money too far out. That sounds like somebody's protecting the, a large stake in Netflix. That seems the most likely scenario. I, other, if it wasn't that, what, what are they, they're just betting that Netflix is going to get crushed by the competition in the next two years? Well, Disney Plus is seeing a lot of momentum. Um, there's a lot of other people opening up subscription services. Amazon has their own, and they're opening it up with even more options that you can you know, add on. It's almost like that sling tv uh you know uh, model so yeah it could be a play saying that netflix is outdated there i mean if you look at the quality of the content on netflix compared to amazon uh, i mean i think amazon wins that hands down really yeah somebody who uses both of them yeah all right mu uh 319 call uh 302,000 at 575 thought that was interesting because you were uh making those same bets uh not quite the same price target but um you know other people are seeing it too i've got three other ones that were all puts all on the same date uh, as far as the expiration date that makes me think that this might have been the same person or institution also um it was fastly ge and uber uh fastly was a 70 dollar put 2.3 million that was 11 dollars and 85 cents uh contract that one was bullish sentiment so i don't know if these are it could have been somebody selling these contracts and trying to make a, a bullish uh, a stake in it uh, by selling the puts rather than buying calls. Right. Uh, GE had a nine dollar put, uh, five hundred thousand at fifty cents, and Uber had fifty five dollar puts, four hundred sixty two thousand at seven seventy. Mm. Uh, all those with the same nine seventeen con- uh, expiration date. So that kind of stuck out to me. What it looked like, maybe it was the same entity or same person making you know these several bets being made at the same time i don't know what that means just thought it was interesting yeah, it is interesting the, right again again we don't know if it's if it's because there are options it could be a hedge the larger the money gets the more likely i think it is a hedge just because who has who has 1.8 million dollars just gamble that's a very good point that's a good point whereas like the mu calls when it's three hundred thousand, like that's a, very could easily be one trader being like okay that's my bet Another thing that is kind of interesting about the alerts that we found this week is that it seemed like there's a lot more puts with those big money than there were calls this time. And again, we don't know if it's the, the entities, the person selling it or purchasing them, so we don't really know what position they're trying to take. Mm-hmm. It is interesting that now that people are switching over those, to, those puts are now showing up rather than the calls. Well, we'll, we'll see if it's uh, some, somebody betting on a market crash. <laughs> we'll find out when the market crashes. All right, can we? Are we done with options? I think I hear something in the distance. No, you don't. No, I think I do. I hear the same thing you hear. It's nothing. It's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dan. Oh, boy. Well, my good has. Definitely MU. MU was good. It made me money in shares. It made me money in options. It's really the only thing that was making me money this week. My good has to be the the space move. I actually felt really good about the way I didn't even hesitate to take profits when I had the chance. Um, Hopefully that lesson continues to sink in. Beautiful. Yes. Profits are good. Yes. Only when you realize them. Make sure you realize them. Give yourself a chance to at least keep it. Yeah, you have to actually sell... (laughs) What was your bad? 
Oh, uh, definitely not selling all of my target calls and mm. only selling two thirds of them. Yeah. Because it, I did it on Friday morning and then I watched that the last of the calls I had just <laughs> shrink. I saw, I saw, yeah. I sold I sold two thirds at four twenty five and it like ended the day at like three seventy or something. It's just like what what why did I do that? Why did yeah. why didn't I sell them all? Oh, that's bad. That's Oops. bad. Bad Dan. Bad. <laughs> uh, my bad is not putting money on Saver. Like, uh, man, uh, losing oh, money yeah. sometimes hurts, but man, like missing out on something that you called that feels like that hurts even more sometimes. Especially. You laid it all out here last week in the China shop. You said, oh, I think this is what's going to happen with Saber. And then it just followed your map completely entirely. It's like, yeah. oh, you didn't bet on that? No. You, you had such a perfect map. I had no money left. <laughs> like, uh, and I hate using, I'm, I finally just, I think I got to get over my hang up of using margin unless I just want to finally sell some of these other positions. But man, I feel like I worked hard to, you know, amass that hoard. I don't want to just give it up to yeah. To keep playing the game. You know, we use the gambling <laughs> analogy all the time. Like, keeping those shares, to me, is is the same thing as, like, going to the casino. And, you know, you come with, you have your set amount of money that you use to gamble. And then every time you cash out a ticket, you put it in your wallet and you don't cash that in anymore. Once you go through your money, then you take your tickets, you cash them in, and you at least leave with something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I don't want to sell those. And I don't know, I might have to rethink that. Uh, it's all about risk management, apparently. It's yeah. all about risk management. Well, if I keep making good calls, then I'm going to have to start taking out of stuff that's not moving and putting into stuff that I think will move, because then you're just losing money by not having you know, any skin in the game. I know uh, my ugly has got to be Sprouts Farmer's Market. My loss of confidence in myself and what I was trying to do uh, just really reverberated through that entire uh, holding of those mm-hmm. options. and. and I do not like to sell at a 50% loss. It's just, I think last week I even said, like, I'm holding on. I'm trying to, trying to get a, wor- a better loss. It's like. <laughs> yeah, how often does that work out for us? <laughs> right, right, right. I don't, I don't think that's a great sentiment, trying to get a better loss. Uh, uh, and, and I'm trying to get my mind back focused on, on finding my confidence. Uh, MU has helped a lot. Well, it only stays ugly if you don't learn from it, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's the whole point of good, bad, and the ugly. That's what leads to my ugly. And the reason why it's ugly is because I haven't learned my lesson yet. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take any profits on the AMD calls when I had a shot. And uh, I'm really kicking myself for not. I could have cashed out, you know, uh, some of them at a 50% gain. But it was moving the direction that I've been calling. I thought I was going to do better. But man, I could have slept mm-hmm. a lot better if I would have just sold off half of those. Locked in, you know... 50 80 percent but i didn't yeah i didn't and then i watched those lose about half their value now and then same thing with nmdm oh. i had a chance to cash out of those when i knew it w- when it wasn't going anywhere i had a chance to cash out at you know even money slight profit you know slight loss 50 percent loss 75 percent loss any one of those points would have been better than just than zero yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh Again, still haven't learned uh, my lesson. No. I will one of these days. One of these days. I don't know. If we're learning, does that still make good uh, good show? Is it still entertaining if we're, we're not fucking up? <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's just fine. <laughs> All right. Let's get to the best part of the show. Which brings us to the new bet. Oh, baby. Uh. Stop. Uh. In the center of a universe 
one of us Consequence for one of us Make our picks with no regret Every open, every close, every spread is the I think I know what you're going to say this week. Maybe you're going to fix the past, your, your issues with last week. Uh, yeah, yeah, y- you would think that, but I, <laughs> I actually had an options trade that uh, I didn't mention in options because I wanted to wait to mention it in the bet because it's going to be my bet. All right. I'm swinging for the fences here, folks. There is a SPAC company. It's called G- GSAH. It's Goldman Sachs something, something, something. I don't care. GSAH. It? GSAH. Yeah, GSAH. Almost gash, but not quite. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's almost a gash. <laughs> uh, it's a SPAC. It's a SPAC. They, they, it's one of these companies where they, they form the company, they, they make it public, but all they are is a bunch of money looking to buy a private company. Right. To, to take the, the private company public. And that's been very popular lately. Very popular lately. And, and this particular one uh, saw a ton of volume on Friday, but no news. Okay. And I think at one point it, spi- it spiked up to 17, and then it fell back down and kind of evened out around 15. And uh, aftermarket, I think it even went, went up closer to 15.50. But uh, I bought some $15 calls expiring at March 19th. And, and my supposition is, and this is my gamble, this is why I'm swinging for the fences on this one. I, I think, I think they're, they're close to announcing who they're going to try and buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that or they're close to announcing we just added a ton of money to the SPAC to buy something bigger. I think something is on the cusp of being announced and the buzz has gotten around a few people, and the volume shot up. Uh, so, end of day Friday, I moved into those calls after, like I said, after, after it had that spike and then the dip and leveled off, uh, I moved in, and then it's also going to be my bet pick, I think, uh, this week. Uh, could be really big for that spec. And I thought, why not play with a spec? Uh, make this bet interesting in February. All right, well, that definitely does. Mine is... Uh... Uh, similarly, uh, swing at the fences, try to get myself back into this game. I'm going with F-Cell, I think. I watched it kind of just get hammered over this last week, and, man, it really seems like that stock likes to bounce hard and fast whenever yes, it, does. It, it takes a, a hit like it did. I mean, it was, I think it closed the week uh, just over 21 a share. Hopefully, wow. pre-market Monday lowers that price even more for me, but I'd like to see that finish somewhere around 25, and if it could do that, mm, boy. Mm-hmm. I might just be back in the lead. It's true. It's true. And F Cell is on my bouncers watch list, so it 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 it's got some volatility, and it it's like a rubber band. Yes, it, it is. It likes to sh- shoot the opposite direction it, it was just going. It's not for the faint of heart, <laughs> I will say that. But you know, at this point, <laughs> yes. at this point, it's about winning. <laughs> All right. Okay. And now uh, let's uh, let's find out what the damage is for a random stock. All right. That's the other thing we got to beat. All right, NASDAQ, New York Stock Exchange, give me a stock. Uh, ESTC, why don't you throw that in there and see what kind of volume it has. Average volume 10-day is uh, 712,000. All right, that's a real stock. We'll use it. We got a real stock. ESTC. Working at momentum. Uh, I think we're going to do okay. I think, I, think, uh, I, think, I think they might be just about to pull back. Oh, good. That'd be even better. Could, like I said, could be wrong. Just my guess, glancing at the 
the on balance volume, the MACD, and the price. It's seen it's a, not it's seen a steady list. since December. <laughs> no, <laughs> they had great earnings in December, and they've been rising since then. They, you know, they've gone from like 120 up to 160 something. Um, but oh, I should look to see when their earnings are. You said it was in December. That should put it somewhere in March. That may see some rising in anticipation of it, though, if they had good earnings. And to be fair, you know, if the random is just a steady eddy, that could really fuck us anyway. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah. Oh, boy. We could be in trouble. We'll see. We'll find out. (laughs) Find out next time. On the next enthralling episode. (laughs) All right, folks, that's going to bring us up here to the end of the show. Thanks for sticking around with us. We love you. And if you like our show, let us know by rating and subscribing on your platform of choice. If you like our show and hate social media, just tell your friends. And if you don't got friends, you hate social media, you can just give us money to pay for advertising to help you find more friends. Donate at our PayPal link in the description. And remember, everybody, it's a big shop. There's room for everyone. And the more people talking and sharing their strategies, the better you can work through them, the better we'll all get. So come on into the shop. Bring your friends. There's room for everybody. Oh, happy trades, folks. Happy trades. Bye, folks. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.